Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. A perfect storm is brewing as agricultural pioneer Kerry Fowler races against time to protect the future of our food. Seed banks around the world are crumbling. Crop failures are producing starvation and rioting. And the accelerating effects of climate change are affecting farmers globally. Communities of indigenous Peruvian farmers are already suffering these effects as they desperately try to save 1,500 varieties of native potatoes in their fields, but they have little time to waste. Both Fowler and the farmers embark on a passionate and personal journeys that may save one of the one resource that we cannot live without, and that's our seeds. We're joined today by the director of this wonderful new documentary, and that would be Sandy McLeod. Sandy, welcome to Film School. Thank you. Uh, congratulations on your your film. Um, I really uh, appreciate. Uh, the timeliness of it, the information that you've you've been able to put into this film, and obviously a tremendous amount of admiration for uh, the uh, the subject of the documentary, Carrie Fowler. Tell me a little bit about how this came to you. What was your process of uh, getting involved in in making Seeds of Time? Well, there was quite a bit of synchronicity involved. Actually, I had been sent an art. The art there was an article about Carrie called. Uh, Sewing for the Apocalypse, which was in the New Yorker. Two friends of mine had sent me that article, and I was reading it one morning at the breakfast table, and um, my husband was on a speakerphone, and I heard him, I realized that he was talking to someone named Carrie. At any rate, I'm reading an article about this guy, Carrie Fowler, and I'm, and I'm learning about all this stuff that I, I think of myself as somewhat knowledgeable about the food situation, but... I'm learning about all these things I never knew anything about, and I thought, my God, this is incredible. And I hear my husband say to this person on the phone, "Um, how much money did you get from the Gates Foundation to collect the seeds? And I read in this article, Carrie Fowler was given $30 million by the Gates Foundation to collect the seeds, and I just about dropped my (laughs) jaw onto the breakfast table. And um, when my husband hung up, I said, was that by any chance, Carrie Fowler? And he looked at me and he said, how on earth do you know Carrie Fowler? (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, when those kinds of things happen, I really pay attention. And, um, I, and the article was, uh, was really kind of stymied me because I realized that not only did I not know about this, but that it's sort of fundamental foundational stuff in any conversation that you might want to have about food security. So I met Carrie that summer. He happened to be in Memphis, and I went to Memphis and did, I read his book. He wrote one of the very early books about uh, plant genetics and um, um, and sort of changing environment and that sort of thing. And um, I interviewed him for eight hours. I It was a really hot Memphis day, and... Um, it was so hot on his porch that I had to eventually put his feet in a bucket of ice water because he was sweating so profusely. Oh I couldn't God. keep him dry for the shot. Wow. <laughs> but during that interview, I learned even more about the subject, and I 
I thought, oh my God, like how could you even make a film about this? You know, mm-hmm. it's so, it's so com it's so complex. You know, um, I I didn't really know much about seed banks. I didn't really understand the international systems. Um, I didn't understand. Uh, I I didn't know what a seed bank was when I started this project. Mm-hmm. So. Um, it took quite a long while. It was eight eight years in the making. I wondered about that because there is a section of the film about the Peruvian uh, farmers, uh, uh, <laughs> and I, it's that appeared to me that you had to have been there uh, a number of times uh, to get the uh, the shots and the the, the stock the, the footage that you got from them. And so eight years, my God. That, that this is one of the things I love about documentary filmmakers is uh, th- this passion that you pursue your projects with that uh, most people after a couple of years of working on something would have walked away but obviously you saw the value and you've obviously stayed with it and it's a wonderful product uh, of your of your efforts uh, seeds of time I think I think we need to let our audience kind of get the big picture here though because we walk into a store, and you make this point in the film. We walk into a store, you see all the stuff on the shelves. You walk through the produce section. I don't think any of us give a, a second thought to how all of that got there. So talk, talk to us sort of through you, you, uh, the big picture here. Um, what is going on with our seed stock, and what is the reason that we need to be preserving it? Well, in the last 80 years... Um uh, we, from a consensus that was the last consensus that was done in the U.S. was in 1983. We know that in the last 80 years we've lost everything except somewhere between uh, three and seven percent of what we once once had in, in terms of seeds. In terms so, of variety of different kinds of vegetables, varieties of seeds. So yeah, yeah, you know okay. there were. At one point, 53 different kinds of celery, you know, now there are three. Um, You can look at every single vegetable and see um, sort of, you know, this tremendous loss that we suffered. And and that happened for a number of reasons. Um, We had a lot of diversity here because we had a large immigrant population. And those immigrants, when they left their homelands, brought their seeds with them Mm -hmm. because they wanted to taste those foods. They wanted to keep those... Their, those foods were their connection to home. Well, well, and, just real, and, well, just and, and so when we started monocropping, yeah. um, all those smaller farmers who were growing their own unique varieties stopped planting those seeds. Mm-hmm. And we started growing a single variety of corn on huge swaths of land. And, um, and that gets us into sort of the processed food story. But yeah. monocropping is really sort of the major culprit for the loss of diversity. Well, it's it, um, a lot of it is the industrialization of our of our food production, isn't that? Isn't that exactly. one way to put it? Exactly. And, yeah. and, and I just want to back up real quick because I think this is important. The, the, you referred to the 1983 study. Uh, uh, sort of mm-hmm. the, the survey of, of what seed stocks are available as opposed to going back to a study that apparently some kind of a study was done back in 1903. So in a period of about 80 years, which uh, sort of in terms of biology is a, is a, is a, a blink of the eye, we lost in you, somewhere around 90% or more of the seed stock that was available. 
uh, at that time. And the other thing that you mentioned, the immigrants coming over here, they were most a lot of them were farmers. They came from agrarian societies, so they were pulling from those societies a, a tremendous mm-hmm. resource. Okay, I, I just want to mm-hmm. kind of go back and mm-hmm. kind of so refresh so people understand that context. Um, so, so you just described or you just mentioned industrialization. That's a that's one part of it. What else is a factor in in the loss of our seed stock? Um, well, there are seed banks all over the world, and there have been really um, since people have been agrarian. They've saved seeds in one way or another. There are two ways to save seeds. One is by growing them out, right. called uh, in situ. The other is ex situ preservation, and that is to freeze them and and put them away for safekeeping. And they're both important because it's important to safeguard them and preserve the genetics and sort of keep them as a time capsule. And um, But it's also important to plant them so that they can adapt to their environment as the environment changes. Mm-hmm. So, um, Go ahead. So, so those are two two forms of uh, seed preservation that we talk about in the film. One is represented by the Peruvian farmers, mm-hmm. and that's a very actually very rare um, occurrence. So I was only able to find two examples of that when I was making the film um, of people growing out great diversity mm-hmm. um, in one variety. Mm-hmm. Um, Peru and um, Kazakhstan were the only two examples I could find, one with apples and the other with potatoes. Mm-hmm. And as you point out in the film, those are cultures that have been around for a long time, those particular They examples. have, yes, so, and their cultures are very tied to those crops, right. you know, and a lot of their ceremonies and... Um, I mean, that connection runs really deep for them. And it's, you know, a connection that probably somewhere in the 12,000 years of agriculture we all had at one time Mm. to our seeds. Um, But we've lost along the way. Now, I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with uh, Sandy McLeod. She is the director of the documentary Seeds of Time. And you're in town uh, today. This is uh, May 29th. Uh, Friday, May 29th. Uh, the film is opening at the Music Hall 3 uh, tonight and will run all week through, uh, I think, June 4th. Uh, are you here for any question and answers uh, sort of Q&A at, yeah. at the theater? Mm-hmm. Okay. Carrie, Carrie, um, Carrie Fowler, who's the subject of the film. Right. Carrie, as you find out in the film, is, you know, largely responsible for starting the seed vault under the Arctic Circle in Norway. And um, he will be there tonight and I'll be there and tomorrow night and I'll be there as well uh, for a Q&A after the movie. Which screening in particular? Is it 7? Uh, it's the seven, 7 o'clock. Yeah. Okay, that's great. And that's a great theater and uh, one of the great things about the Lindley Three, this is on Wilshire right there. It's sort of, L- they say L.A., but it's really kind of Beverly Hills. So it's that part of town beautiful uh setup uh and uh well known for bringing in filmmakers and giving people the opportunity to interact with them and certainly having carrie there is awesome <laughs> awesome part of that uh we've just barely touched upon uh carrie here and, and he's obviously uh you know the driving force in in your film and the driving force behind as you just described the, what i would 
say is probably the largest seed bank on the planet and he, mm-hmm. it, it's his vision his his going to the norwegian officials tells that that's very kind of quickly that's an interesting story but that the fact that a uh, that they were willing is amazing so a little bit about Kerry in his background and and uh sort of his idea to start this food bank Right. Well, Carrie, Carrie grew up in the South and he, he had, he had the <laughs> seed of an activist sort of <laughs> planted there. He was around during the civil rights era and, um, actually was at the church the night Martin Luther King gave his speech. Um, I've been to the mountain, that famous speech. The night before he was assassinated. Um, that's right. That's right. So he's always had that aspect to him, and um, he found out about this um, issue very early on when he was quite young. He was um, working on a book with Anna LePay Moore. I think he was um, he was a researcher on the book, and um, he actually started going around and doing some lectures after that book came out. And he said, you know, I would often mention to people that there's this other issue, a very little-known issue about seeds that no one ever talks about. And he said, if anyone's curious about that, I'd be happy to talk about it. He said, but no one ever really took me up on it. Um, Until one day, someone in Canada asked him what this issue was that was so little-known. And when he started talking about the loss of diversity and he saw the way people responded to it, he said, I thought, well... I should work on this subject for a while, and um, and I'll take about six months, and I'll see what I can do. And he said, says in the film, you know, thirty years later, here I am. Um, turned out to be a little more, <laughs> a little <laughs> bit more of an undertaking than he had originally realized. Yeah. But he has that kind of tenacity and um, and uh, yeah. sort of doggedness. Um, it's a quiet... in the guise of a very sort of um, unassuming guy, yeah. really. Yeah. So he's, um, okay. in my mind, he's a very interesting, uh, uh, not too often seen in cinema male role model. Yeah, it, it is that, that sort of quiet determination. Um, he and and I think it, it what helps him bring the kind of gravitas and the, the authority to the subject is his demeanor is part of it his understatement of it is all the more reason to lean forward and pay attention to what he has to say and there's some remarkable footage in here this uh this sort of gathering of internationals from uh, from people around the world discussing this people from other food banks um and you know as i'm watching the movie and i'm thinking to myself and kind of as you just described, you know, what if this guy hadn't taken up this subject? I mean, others obviously are interested in it and they understand the importance of it. But just that sort of like this was meant to be, I don't know exactly how to describe this, but here is one guy who has turned it from just uh, an idea into this amazing enterprise. That, and I'll probably butcher the way I say that, Slobard. Uh, the, this food bank that, that's literally built into the side of a, a mountain uh, that has now taken on uh, a, a probably I, is it fair to say the premier the most important 
seed bank on the planet? Would that be fair? Oh, well, what it does is actually, it's the largest seed bank on the planet, but what it does actually is back up all these other seed banks. Mm-hmm. There are about 1,200 of them, mm-hmm. 400 sort of premier collections that have been um, up until now, although all of them aren't backed up yet, it's an ongoing job, um, have been threatened with their own kind form of extinction because a lot of these really important collections are in developing countries and a, they're a power outage away from extinction or a flood um, away as in the case of the Philippines. or a flood yeah. yes or uh, or a war, or a war. Um, we lost uh, really important collections in Afghanistan and uh, during the war of uh, cherries and almonds and apricots um, those uh, that seed bank was raided those jars were emptied and the uh, the seeds were left on the floor and the jars were stolen um so yeah it's it's not an uncommon event to lose a seed bank even in the united states where we have a a a very uh sophisticated seed bank um we cut the budget by 10 percent which is a lot um, mm-hmm. in terms of what they can do with uh, regenerating seed and keeping it fresh and um, sort of uh, keeping the collection intact uh, just last year. So these things are really fall under the radar of most people, and they should be really, um, they're, uh, you know, as we say in the film, our, our most valuable human resource. Yeah. We, we depend on them. Um, yes. This stuff, this stuff makes my my head want to explode because when you find out about it, when you re, when you sort of start to parse this out, and you you think to yourself, we should be throwing all kinds of money at this. We should not be sparing, uh, you know, any sort of expense to try and and the, and I'll just encapsulate what you said. the The rationale behind this is the the greater the variety of food that we food stock that we have seed stock that we have as climate change begins to impact our agriculture the it 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 enhances it increases our opportunity to survive because we don't That's know right. what's going to survive in extreme heat in extreme cold in extreme conditions we don't know and so that's why no. we need to have these seeds that's why this is so important is that is that a fair yeah. statement yeah, I mean, totally. It's it's going to be very tricky, and we need every tool in the toolkit. Yeah. And those uh, those genetics that are represented in that in that seed bank are going to become really important because they'll have traits that we'll need, like drought tolerance or heat resistance. Yeah. Um, in the future, that those crops weren't originally bred for when we started uh, domestication twelve thousand years ago. And for people who think we're just going to kind of bioengineer GMO our way out of this, no, we're not. <laughs> this is not going to happen that way. And and uh, there's a really uh, and I'll, uh, just sort of I know we're running short on time, and um, but I that there's a really um, moving moment in this film, uh, Seeds of Time, when the woman from I believe it is the Philippines when she's describing the flooding, the loss of the seed bank, and she just literally breaks down and. I think that's so important that it's easy to kind of stand away back from this and as a scientist, as a sociologist or whatever to kind of look at this in clinical terms. But it's those moments 
when you really kind of the emotional part of this kicks in and you think to yourself there are people around the world who are literally completely dependent on their ability to grow the crops that they've been growing for thousands of years and they will perish without them it, it's That's right. it's this is not this is not fun and games this is very very serious stuff well, and you know, we're not we're not immune from that either. Right. I mean, we happen to be in a very fortunate, live in a very fortunate place, and be a wealthy country. But we've and we've never experienced famine in this country. But um, no one is immune, and if and with all the uh, uh, sort of with the fragility that um, agriculture is now sort of confronting. Um, you know, lack of land, lack of variable land, huge population demands, uh, limited water, and add climate change to that, and it's it's going to be and it's going to be a, um, tricky. We we really need to sort of focus on how we're going to do that. And, and we San- have to help those plants adapt. And Sandy, if you throw in massive migration with the loss of land and and arable land yeah. and all the rest of it, there you go. There's yeah. a tremendous amount of pressure being exerted all over the world by people fleeing in in huge numbers. Millions of people are fleeing the Middle East. Uh, it, it's uh, it's you know we ha- we really have to buckle down here and figure this out because because we do and as we as we say in the film agriculture as we now know it is not sustainable right well so. I wanna, yeah well I want to thank you so much Sandy McLeod for being here the the film is Seeds of Time you're at the Music Hall three tonight with Carrie Fowler which is a, just a kids that's a great that's a that's quite a double bill okay that all you two and then the film go see this film uh, is it going to be available on vod or on demand is it already out there um, yes it it's not available yet but it will be in the fall see this film seeds of time okay uh because we should be putting pressure on all the people that matter to uh in enrich our uh, our ability to uh find this these varieties of vegetables and and fruits and other things around from around the world that we we're going to need to survive and thank you so much for the film and thank you so much for being on film school today thank you You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.